Ladies and gentlemen, a pattern for many decades has been to shrink K-12 academic content and replace it with anything else. I wrote a lot about two of these programs in the past, prior knowledge and learning styles. Here very quickly are the nuts and bolts of the two older approaches. Prior knowledge took the odd position that anything a student has learned in the past could turn out to be an obstacle in the future. Anything a child knows is like a scar that never goes away. Here is a professor taking a hard line regarding prior knowledge. Open quote. A large body of findings shows that learning proceeds primarily from prior knowledge and only secondarily from the presented materials. Prior knowledge can be at odds with the presented material and consequently learners will distort presented material. Neglect of prior knowledge can result in the audience learning something opposed to the educator's intentions no matter how well these intentions are executed in an exhibit, book, or lecture. End of quote. Read this carefully a few times and you'll probably agree with me that this is extreme to the point of nuttiness. The second program is Learning Styles and in the 1990s it was huge. The claim was that children learn primarily in one way or another by ear or eye, for example, and if you accommodate that style, the students would do better. Note that this model requires the teacher spend a lot of time learning details about a person's life and tendencies. I was dubious about this thing from the start, so I'm happy to report to you that most conventional wisdom now is that this thing was overplayed, to put it mildly. So now we move to gimmick number three, which is all the rage now, social emotive learning, which is a younger brother of the first two ideas. Again. The teacher must spend a lot of time learning about the child's social psychological situation, family life and so on, so that each thing you teach can be perfectly balanced with what the child feels and believes. Isn't that hugely unrealistic on the face of it? It's a wonder that any of our teachers survive. Here is an official statement from the professors themselves, open quote, social and emotional learning. SEL acknowledges that teachers should embrace a holistic approach in managing learners' expectations and challenges by motivating them socially and emotionally to achieve the best academic results. The school and the teacher should understand the social background of each learner so that lessons are tailor-made to be compatible with his or her emotional being. And you see, a program that is non-academic, not specifically aimed at explaining the knowledge typically taught in history or biology or French. And it's clearly going to require a superhuman effort week after week by the teacher to keep up with the student's personal experiences. Basically, stool teachers become another layer of social workers. Just for the sake of discussion, let's suppose the teachers were really knowledgeable about their subjects and taught those subjects directly day after day just the way teachers did it around the world for many thousands of years, so much more would be learned. These so-called methods are not fair to the students and not fair to the teachers. They're probably not fair to the parents and everybody else because there will be a lot of meddling. You might almost get the impression 
that the education establishment wants to merge family and school into one big happy socialist entity. My point in discussing these programs is to make everyone aware of the vast time and energy that goes into implementing them. Now, finally, I want to note again that the education establishment never discuss anything that will result in a specific academic improvement, like, you know, what is the American Revolution? They never come up with anything that is content-focused. They always want to meddle in the kids' lives, their minds, their families, their siblings, what's going on in the neighborhood. In short, these ideas are not focused on education as traditionally defined. They are social-emotional meddling, and I don't believe they raise scores anywhere they are tried. Thank you. Overview. Let's Fix Education explores seven of my favorite themes. First, this podcast is a meditation on what I call the K-12 crime scene. So many destructive ideas. Understanding them is the key to fixing them. Two, by doing that we will have better schools at less cost. Three, nothing much changes decade to decade. The big questions of the 1930s were the big questions of the 1960s and the 1990s. Any subject we discuss can easily intersect with any other subject. Most people instinctively want traditional education, but the education establishment fills classrooms with progressive gimmicks. The result is that we have a standoff, and that's why you run into the same ideas over and over. Four. The big brains in education keep telling students, don't bother memorizing this or that. You can look it up later. B.B. King, the great guitarist, is much smarter. He said, the beautiful thing about learning is nobody can take it away from you. Five, Lenin's ghost wanders through our school system. The hard left thinks big. If they have to kill millions of people to build their perfect society, that's okay. Same goes for dumbing down millions of students. Totalitarians want power. They will do anything to get it. Six, if we are going to survive, we have to take each child to his or her limit. As it is, we are creating millions of subeducated students from K right through college. Seven, analyzing education, especially dysfunctional education, is a lot more intellectually interesting than most people suppose. You'll enjoy this. Finally, P.S. My book, Saving K-12, runs parallel to everything discussed on this podcast. I also have an education site, improve-education.org, with 70 articles that complement everything discussed here. And I have hundreds of articles on the Internet. Enter a topic in Google with my full name, Bruce Dietrich Price, and let Google make suggestions. Thank you for visiting.